On this episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing Walter Hill's 1978 film The Driver, starring Ryan O'Neill and Bruce Dern. to another episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. I'm Brandon, and as always, riding shotgun with me is your co-hoster, Cullen. Now, is it true that this uh, song inspired uh, fine young cannibals to write She Drives Me Crazy? Cult Cinema Cavalcade is a bi-weekly movie podcast that finds Cullen and myself discussing a film from cinema's past considered, but not limited, to being a cult classic. As a disclaimer, every episode will contain plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. Today we're here to discuss The Driver. Cullen, what happens in The Driver? The Driver is a specialist in a rare business. He drives getaway cars and robberies. His exceptional talent prevented him from being caught yet. After another successful flight from the police, a self-assured detective makes it his primary goal to catch The Driver. He promises remission of punishment to a gang if they help to uh, convict him in a setup robbery. The driver seeks help from the player to mislead the detective. The driver is written and directed by Walter Hill and stars Ryan O'Neill, Bruce Dern, Isabel Adjani, and Ronnie Blakely. To those of you returning to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, thank you! And those streaming in for the first time, nice to meet you. We are Cult Cinema Cavalcade, and our episodes drop every other Monday. Being as this is February, the shortest month of the year, you're getting three episodes from us this month? How'd that happen? That extra day. So you get a bonus day and a bonus episode. Uh, yes. So, <laughs> a so bonus February. Opposites. Yes, a bonus <laughs> February episode. If you want to wonder about that and more, you can visit our website. You can contact us, mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. You can find us on Facebook. Or tweet us and awake the sleeping giant. We're a CC Cavalcade on Twitter. You only get the prime cuts with us, you know. We're not we're not flooding your feed, and that's better, I think, don't you? Very much so. Speaking of prime cuts, we never were on uh, prime cuts on Dead Radio Entertainment Network, but we're not there anymore, right? Uh, no, we're transitioning. We're transitioning to Creative Zombie Studios, which is still a part of Dead Radio Entertainment Network. I'm not sure of the logistics, but so sure. There's, they're in the, the same universe. <laughs> That's right. It's a shared universe. It's like one is S.H.I.E.L.D. and one is the X-Men. So So if for some reason you were finding us through Dead Radio Entertainment Network, which kudos because I can't even find us through Dead Radio Entertainment <laughs> Network, we're now moving to there. So, yeah. Or you can just go right to the website, cultcinemacavalcade.com, and just skirt all of it. That's your best bet. That or Twitter, right? Yes, absolutely. Here today, we are talking The Driver, 
I brought this one to the table. And if you're feeling like this was a left field choice, kind of different than what we've been doing, that was intentional. We'd been doing some crazy movies in a row. And I, you know, we invented cult cinema cavalcade not to just be just that, but also look at like underappreciated films as well. Plus, Cullen and I, we've just been like drinking each other's Kool Aid like episodes <laughs> in a row. So while, you know, this one had more potential to be a little bit divisive in our conversation after four weeks of like complete agreement because we, you know, drank Kool Aid and uh, d- uh, decided to disband the Caravan of Courage together. <laughs> Correct. But this was a movie I wanted to discuss since the beginning of Cult Cinema Cavalcade because it's it's one I feel like you know it's it's Walter Hill's second film. He brought us you know a lot of quite known stuff. He's you know the man who's responsible for you know kind of making Alien, the movie Alien, what we know it as today. He was brought in to do uh, the final like script rewrite to Dan O'Bannon's uh, idea and kind of made it the uh, tighter, less goofy thing we know it as and he's also you know he did the made the warriors southern comfort 48 hours streets of fire brewster's millions i mean last man standing the guy's got some good credits to his name did he have anything thing to do with the fine young cannibal song she drives me crazy i have no idea why do you keep <laughs> i assume they're i just assume they're related okay but yeah this movie came out in 1978 and performed poorly at the box office and opened to like really bad reviews. Why I brought it to the table is because I'm a person who feels it's way better than it was given credit for back in the day. I feel it's a, a slick, tight little thriller with some cool visual styles and a sort of no-bullshit approach, very fitting of its protagonist. But yeah, I wanted to bring something a little bit different to the table this week. Next week, we will be going back to crazy, and we'll tell you why at the end. <laughs> but I, I thought yeah, we're it... going polar opposites in February, <laughs> yes. apparently. Yes, nothing will connect. But yeah, I wanted to just kind of go back and do something like this. I think the only time we've we've done this a couple times, I mean, with the, uh, the James Bond episode, the Ravenous episode, now this one, we kind of have, you know, every once in a while, we like to circle back to something a little maybe more serious more traditional not heightened less, experience or less glorious failure i guess yeah yeah makes you scratch your head less like what the hell am i watching right yeah uh, sanity checks for Colin and i i guess i don't know yeah. although uh, there was still some of that in uh never say never again there was still plenty of right what but still it wasn't still it wasn't what the... is in james bond's piss that's what we still <laughs> yeah what kind of mutant syphilis is, is strolling around in his <laughs> urine? So let, I guess let's get started on The Driver then. The opening of the film features our, our protagonist, The Driver. Nobody has a name in this film. Down to even like a one-line person. They're all sort of, they're named after their their role in their profession or this game that's being played. If you listen to the show, you'll, you'll know that a lot of the movies that we watch the characters' names don't show up until much later in, into the movie for whatever reason. And I thought that's the way this was going to be as well. And then after I got about halfway into it, I was like, you know what? No. Because I, 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 cause I was just like writing down, like I couldn't write down character names. I just had to write down what they were doing. And it turns out that's how the credits were as well. And like some of the things I'd written down were actually 
what they're you know accurate uh, yeah i gave yeah. you the week off i gave you the week off you didn't have to do what's his name mystery yeah exactly like i like there, there's a, a robber in this movie i didn't know what to call him but he wore glasses so i wrote down glasses <laughs> and his name in the credits couldn't believe it although instead like the though the woman in this she is credited as the player yeah. and i wrote her down as the alibi because I thought that's what, what she was at the beginning of the movie. So Right. As we open, we have our driver, played by Ryan O'Neill. And he we see him in a parking garage, and he hotwires a car. What, what is the... He comes up like in an elevator, but yeah. it's not like, a, like... What the hell was it? It was like a grain elevator, but he was in like a regular parking garage. It's, yeah, it's, it's really interesting looking. You're like, oh, where's he at? And you're like, oh, parking garage. Like, what, yeah, I really thought that he was going to be like in a factory or, or, or something industrial. And then it just turns out hey, it's just a bunch of cars. I'm like, what the hell? Where on earth was this kind of elevator ever made and used? It's you like know, a circle and with a pole, right? Yeah, yeah. And you just got to hang on. You know, it's not even like you can just stand there comfortably. You have to hang on to it or you will fall to your awful grisly death. Yeah. And I cannot believe that that this was 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 made at at all. And you know how uh, you know nowadays everything tries to be uh, handicap accessible. This one was like ex- not just was it not handicap accessible. It was like purposely excluded people that were handicapped <laughs> with this thing. Yes. I couldn't believe. So like like right from the beginning of this movie, I just thought like, what is what? It <laughs> What's wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if that's one of those things where maybe like. A few parking garages ever had it, and they went to go shoot at this parking garage, saw it, and then Walter Hill's like, "You know what? That's kind of cool. Let's 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 shoot him coming down on that." And it wasn't planned; it was just something that was randomly there. And they're like, "Yeah, well, let's just shoot that." Yeah, because you know, you get to a location, you're like, "Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. We gotta get that in there." Yeah, when I saw the um this grain elevator thing, for lack of a better term, I. Th- I thought like, oh, what's uh, what's going to happen here? And then I saw like a human coming out. It was like, what the hell is this movie? He gets the car and he pulls up and he takes a nice quiet parking spot and pops on his little portable radio and listens to some country music. Well, you know, he's he's waiting on something. He's waiting on something. He looks, he's, you know, checking his surroundings. It's a very quiet night. A cop slowly goes by see inside there's like a private gambling casino thing going on indoors which i don't think would be allowed in today's world i don't think it's a a like secret underground hush hush operation but i think was gambling allowed like that well the cops bit? didn't seem to be upset about it because yeah. they do refer to it as a casino but like when they walk out it's not like a big glittery casino it's just right. like an alley you know, that's the entrance to this place, so... Yeah, but it's um, not like a super secret, what's the password type kind of place, but... Yeah, and there's like a, and there's a lot of security, so it... it well, I mean, they got a lot of money there, so, I mean, if it's a casino, it's going to have security. Yeah, but but it's not just, like, like people, but, there, like, there are gates and barred doors, so it's, you know, effort is put into this place, right. so it's, I don't know, it, it seems like there'd be more effort put into something like this if it were like an illegal place there wouldn't be this much going on so it has to be legit I yeah assume. i mean the, the inside yeah. looked too fancy to be like you know you know yeah. a place like that would probably change locations every weekend it, yeah but, if it were illegal yeah they yeah. gotta pick up and leave it on a moment's notice this is like yeah. it's it's clear it's gonna be around for a while 
she gets up. She is the player, as we'll know later. But she gets up and cashes out as the driver, he pulls in position in the rear. He drives through like a fence blocking the alley and pulls up. Like a up. wooden fence, yeah. which, which is a weird place in the middle of a city to have a wooden fence. Right. It might alley, be but whatever. It, it might be like a, a garage door, like a lot. Like I had an apartment building one time that had something like that that you hit the clicker and it would open. So he might have okay. been just driving through that. But he pulls up nonchalantly, just opens the door and waits. And she comes out. You know, they make eye contact, and then these guys rob the place. And ma- these guys in masks, they hop in the car and take off. And we get a pretty awesome little car chase. With, uh, I believe they were credited as uh, Green Mask and Blue Mask. Yes, Green Mask and Blue Mask. We get a pretty cool car chase. What I like about this car chase is it immediately, you know, it shows how good, how dangerous what he's doing is and how good he is at it. Plus, I like that the cops just don't stop coming. Like, it's a real challenge to get away from the cops. It felt like I was watching, like, Grand Theft Auto. You know, yep. like that's that's what it, like not like the movie, but like the game. Yeah, a lot of those games I think got inspiration for this. I know particularly like that game, The Driver. Mm-hmm. You are the wheelman was inspired by this movie to be made. So I wouldn't be surprised if Grand Theft Auto. But yeah, the cops just nonstop coming did remind me of Grand Theft Auto as well. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, but... just go away, go away. <laughs> he did manage to get rid of some of the uh, the cops along the way. Like they'd run in the dumpsters, or they get like flipped over and stuff. Like you said, to show that it's not just him driving a car to get away. He's actually using some real skills to you know to shake the cops. And I would say that's a incredibly useful skill to have. Not just like oh, I can drive stick. You know, you need more than that. When you're doing something highly illegal. Well, I love the guy. The guys in the back seat are all freaking out, and then he's just calm and collected, knowing what he's doing. Like this, this is yeah. not his first rodeo, and it be, he makes it out. I think because he's calm, because you know the cops aren't even as calm as he is in this chase. Oh no, absolutely not! Like the like cops, like they they spin out, they they crash into each other a little bit. Like they like they open fire on uh, the driver, and even then he doesn't flinch. Yeah, like it hits the windshield too. Yeah, the guys in the back freak a little bit, like you said. But other than that, he he does not give an f. Yeah, I like I I like the editing here too. Like it's you know it's not like you see nowadays there'd be like a jillion cuts, and you might not be able to even tell where they're at driving. Yeah. Like they have a I- shot where he like goes down and turns down another street and we don't even cut like we let yeah. the, the chase go away from us i thought that was really cool yeah i love i it's nice to watch a movie like this where the cuts are longer than movies now it was just very very refreshing it's like it also you know it's only like a like an hour and a half too and that was also nice yeah so you know it's just a nice palate cleanser you know to watch these things yeah, and the, the point of view shots from the front of the car, too, are really cool that make you kind of feel like swerving. Like, I bet in the theater you'd be like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, ab- yeah, absolutely. Because they're kind of floaty. They're not just, like, hard shots. But, yeah, so they have this, this nice long car chase. It's a hell of a way to open the movie. I like this, like, calm before the storm where, like, there's an operation yeah. going on, you don't know what, and then just, boom, we take off with a big chase. Like, no dialogue up to this point either. No. I think the only dialogue is when we briefly see um, uh, Bruce Dern. Yeah, at the bar, pool. yeah. Yeah, like, he's like he's the, the, the detective, detective in yeah. this movie. 
And like right when the chase starts, you see him like playing pool and one of the other cops comes up and is like, hey, it's happening. I'm like, what? And they go like listen to the like um, there's like a stakeout truck or, or it's like something a del- like It's that. like set up like a delivery van, but it's like, yeah, yeah. it's a cop stakeout. Yeah, you see. Yeah. I mean, something you've seen in movies before. The bar, That's- the bar he's at is called Torchies, and that's actually featured in Walter Hill's two of his other films, Streets of Fire and 48 Hours. Huh. <laughs> so it's a shared universe is what yeah, you're saying? Yeah, it's a shared universe. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, we meet the detective, and he's, you know, he's pretty thrilled by the fact that, you know, this is probably the guy, the cowboy, as he calls him. That's him. Yeah. Same goddamn stunt he pulled six weeks ago. You two want to tell me who we're talking about? Shut up. I want to hear this. Yeah, it's his white whale. That's what it is. Right. We then, after the chase, the driver disposes of the truck at the the junkyard. I don't know if he's got a connection at the junkyard or he just knows how to hijack it. But, I mean, he's probably done this with many cars, but he just sends it sailing. But he, his little jimmy rig thing that he uses to get in the cars, he cleans his fingerprints off and just tosses it in the back seat. Like, if maybe it's his calling card. He just doesn't care. He doesn't think, care, like, or it's a taunt, or he just he wants to constantly be chased by something. Or maybe he just doesn't want to keep any evidence. I don't know. I don't know. There's I, a lot I of things know. to read in. Like, maybe he throw. you know, there's the, the thought that maybe, hey, I'm done with this. I, I You know, mm-hmm. I want to be done with this. Maybe he, like, there's a lot of, like, once you get through the film, there's, you know, and I've seen this film multiple times. There's many different ways I could see this going. And it's it's uh, it's fascinating to me. It makes, you know, each watch interesting. The two crooks give him his cut, and they're like, 23-5. Are you sure none of those people got a good look at you? See, we want to keep you healthy for the next day. There isn't going to be any next time. You were late. Like, this guy is strict on how he does (laughs) stuff. If you're wondering, if you've watched this movie with us, yes, this movie was a big inspiration for the Nicholas Winding Refn and uh, Ryan Gosling movie Drive. It's a huge yeah. influence on that movie. So there's a lot of similarities in character and the way the movies go. It could, I mean, I've never seen Drive, but I understand, like, even, like, the characters, like, Ryan Gosling's character doesn't have a name, does he? I think he's just the driver in that, isn't he? Yeah, he's just driver in that, yeah. Which, yeah, that that movie is a another, it's this, again, but, sty- uh, you know, another kind of stylish it's a it's a modern style instead of very uh, I don't want to say minimalist but not as flashy I guess a seventies style. A, it's got a modern B movie touch to it, which is really good. This, yeah, this one this one's got its own style too, its own sense of uh, cool. The next day, the cops already you know find the car and they find his you know his little rig in the back seat, and we go immediately. He <laughs> put up in a lineup. His own lineup with four witnesses yeah, immediately. Yeah, it's not even like at a police station. It's just like against a brick wall with a couple of spotlights yeah. on him. So I'm not sure of the setting, but it's, um, I don't know. I, I guess that the detective, he doesn't really seem to operate that closely with the actual yeah. police department. He's, I mean, he's he is kind like, of a uh, guy that's like uh, gone away for so long that he's lost it. Like he has no sense of justice just like playing the game like he can't catch this guy in the act no matter how hard he tries he's he's positive who the guy is it's obvious but he he just can't catch the guy in the act or find any like credible evidence to pick him up and Mm -hmm. that's become his drive rather than just being a official of the law 
which Bru- I mean, Bruce Dern is like terrific in this movie. And I was thinking, like, watching this movie and watching him like deliver like dialogues, I'm like, man, I would say, oh, he'd be perfect in a Tarantino movie. He just was in Hateful Eight. <laughs> I'm like, I'm surprised Tarantino didn't yeah. use him sooner than that. Yeah, sooner. But yeah. you know, he's the way he's you know the dialogue in this movie is definitely you can tell Tarantino inspired. But Bruce Dern feels like a total Tarantino actor here, and. It, you know, he's loving it. And, and a character who's supposed to be our, you know, hero detective who's, you know, almost worse a person than our protagonist who's a wheelman for high crimes. Yeah, because he, yeah, he is a, a lawman, but he does blur the, the line between right and wrong. Maybe a bit too much. They have the lineup. The witnesses are all kind of, uh, maybe that's the guy. Maybe that's the guy. We get to our third witness, and he's like, she saw him better than any of us. And who is it? It's Isabella Johnny, the player. And she says it doesn't doesn't look like him at all. And the detective's like, sense is bullshit. And he's like, you sure? And she's like, it wasn't him. So then we go back to the bar where a detective grills the driver about his alibi for the previous night. And, you know, you know, the driver's not budging, keeping his cool. And then he dumps coffee. The detective dumps coffee on him, trying to get him to hit him, to put him away for just that. He's like, I'll give you two years. It'll give you two years. <laughs> It's like the government when the the uh, got Al Capone and they busted him for tax evasion. That's like it's like just, just anything. I just yeah. need to arrest obs- him. We'll learn later. This guy's obsessed with lo- with winning and can't stand losing, and that's yes. what he's you know been doing this whole time. And then we we cut over to another like heist, but it's with three kind of doofus guys that have guns and they're like trigger happy. They rob a grocery store and they shoot out the windows. Is like maybe their calling Just card or something. They're like the wet bandits. Right, yeah. They're the shattered glass Because later bandits. when they rob a bank, the dude shoots out all the windows too. And I'm like, I was like, is hmm. that like his calling card or just a happy accident? He's probably just a jerk. But as, as Bruce Dern, or the, the detective, goes to work at the uh, van the next day, they've already got the leader, as we've talked about, glasses <laughs> held up. Yeah, we, we don't know how they picked him up. It's just like, well, we got him. Well, I mean, okay. with the, the messy, I mean, I can imagine the cops catching them and seeing how, as they try to point out that that their driver wasn't a very good one because they're like, you have you left the door closed. Yeah, yeah, they weren't. Um, so yeah, the, you're you right. know, we can imagine the the chase we saw in the opening was you know somewhat done here, but they were caught easily. But the detective offers him that he can walk if he sets up a job with the driver, and he's got his and the detective has his eyes on a bank robbery worth two hundred thousand that the cops will just let happen as long as they can pick up the driver. They yeah, get the, money the, mo- back. the money will get back. They'll get the money back, and the- they get to catch the driver in the act. And mm-hmm. there's a new cop who isn't happy about the- this big gamble the detective's cha- uh, taking, which is understandable. It's ridiculous. Like, hey, we're going to let this bank- these guys who are trigger happy go rob a bank. These, these known criminals <laughs> that just robbed a store... Not twelve hours ago, yeah, and then you know, and then let them walk after it just to catch the wheelman, probably the least dangerous person of them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the uh, detective threatens the the new police officer if he is going to tell the the precinct or you know the other police or whatever, and he says that he'll dig up whatever dirt you can find on him. Like he's like with, listing these things that maybe he might be. And one of the things he says was, Dad, you know something? Maybe there's something I ought to investigate in your background, huh? Did you ever think of that? Some little what? item there? Maybe there's something we should know about. Maybe you're a fruiter. 
Well, this was clearly made in 1978. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or it's taking place in Boston. <laughs> uh, no, he'd call him a fucking queer if he <laughs> was in true. Boston. Yeah, this is definitely L.A. Uh, the player is coming home to her apartment, and the driver's outside to meet her because he's going to pay her for the job where she was the alibi, but mm-hmm. she says to come up to her room, and she's, gonna, she's pouring him a drink, and the detective decides to show up at her apartment immediately. Uh, the driver waits in her dark room while he's there, and the detective threatens the player. You know, he's asking one more time, are you sure this isn't the guy? And I love how Bruce Dern pulls out the picture and just sitting there furious, like, I know you, I know this is him. Yeah, he waves it, like, in front of her face, not just, like, a little bit, like, he shakes it, like, like come on, look at it, like, you don't look at anything else in the room except this one thing and tell me the truth yeah, for just, once. like, sitting there and... It's great how Bruce Dern has a switch because I've seen him as like other seven in other seventy seventies movies is like funny and lovable, and here he's just cold and. To me, he'll always be the neighbor from the yes. Burbs. There you that's, go. That's the pinnacle of his career for me. Like the new cop he previously threatened, he said he he did some digging on her and she was rather clean, except for a previous issue that authorities swept under the rug. I don't think we ever find out what no. it is. Do no, we? No, we don't. Yeah. I'm kind of glad they didn't tell us because I'm sure it probably would have been like prostitution you know or something like that. Cause that's what the, uh, you know, that's what it always kind of ends up being. And I don't know. You know what I, I like about this movie? That, we don't need to know. It doesn't matter. And they don't, they don't go yeah. out of their way to like make something up. We don't need to know. It's not important. It's not important to the story. No, it's like she did something bad at one time and now she needs money. That's it. That's all you need she's, to know about her. Let's keep going. Criminal stuff by putting fake alibis we are she's already in trouble she doesn't need to have a past trouble to be you know like yeah and she's not like a bad girl she's just someone that just needs money when the detective leaves and then the driver comes out and not too long he just walks out cool without a worry (laughs) yeah like later you know the detective could be just sitting in a doorway or at the end of the hall peeking over and he just smoothly leaves he then goes to the bar and meets with the connection Played by Ronnie Blakely. I didn't know who she was at first. I thought, like, is this like his manager? I wasn't sure. Like, yeah. Well, apparently what? she's. You know, she gets him the. Yeah, that's. I think that's pretty much her job. Yeah, yeah. But the. What did you say? The connection yeah. that makes. Uh, that makes that's more she's sense. she's credited as the connection. I thought maybe she'd be the handler, but then I looked up as the connection. She tells yeah. him about the job that's obviously it's the police sting operation. He's uninterested because he knows who they're t- she's talking about, and they carry guns. But they paid her money just to come talk to him about it. He ends up going and auditioning for them in a parking garage and just destroys their car. Like, I was, like, watching, I was, like, what is he doing? And he just, I mean, he rips doors off, scrapes it on everything, drives recklessly, and he gets out, tells him. I don't work with people like you. Or him. He just does not like teeth. (laughs) What I liked about him driving in the car, like, at first, I'm, like, okay, he's going to show them, like, how good he is. But then we started to beat the crap out of the car, like, well, that's weird. And he continued to do it. And then I realized, like, he's showing them that he can, like, beat the crap out of a car, but it will still run just fine. Like, he knows where a car can be hit and where it shouldn't yeah. be hit. Because that's not, like, like he even, like, smashes, like, the front of the car in. Well, not in, but, like, he's a, like he runs the, the front of the car into a wall. But he still is able to drive it just as if it was never right. hit at all. So, like, you can show, like, I can dissect this car 
and we'll still be able to get away. And I thought, you know, that was that was pretty cool. The player then visits the driver at uh, his his house or his hotel home, wherever he's staying. It's a small place, and tells him she's after some money, and he says he doesn't make the moves. We then go back to the detective, and the newbie de- the newbie guy on the case says this job is taking too long, but the detective, he's just drinking his Coke out of a bottle and assures him this is the quiet part of the hunt. <laughs> the, is this where he tells him to, uh, to yes, read the sports like, page? You, know, you read the paper, he's like, you know... You know what you do first thing every morning? Read the sports page. You know why? Best part of the newspaper. Winners, losers, how it happened... Score. Now, we've got a much better game than the one they give the players. They don't retire us after 10 years. Just one thing. you got to be a player. A real player. Not just filling out a position. I guess you figure you're a winner. That's it. And you're a loser. But I think you'd like to be a winner. And you're going to show me the way, huh? Unless, of course, you turn into a complete asshole first. Well, Walter Hill wrote this, but later you could see this being a Tarantino speech. Yeah, absolutely. But it was nice because it's not as long <laughs> as a Tarantino speech. That's what was nice about it. Yeah, it's a really it's a really good speech. And, you know, Bruce Dern mm-hmm. delivers it expertly. The driver's coming home, and Teeth visits him, threatens him to do the job with a gun. He's pointing at me, and the driver says to pull the trigger, and then he just punches him and then he punches him again and knocks him down the stairs and then uh, teeth says i just wanted to talk you did yeah i, I do like how cut and dry you, he yeah, is you, <laughs> he knows what he wants and he knows what he what doesn't do you think want. of uh, ryan o'neill here like i i'm not the biggest i'm not a big ryan o'neill fan but i like him in this role I like him in this role. However, when I watched it, I thought how much more I would enjoy it if Steve yeah, McQueen yeah, was in that was, Yeah, it was first offered to McQueen, and then... It looks like it. It, yeah. it looks like it was a part written for yeah. Steve McQueen. And I thought, like, man, if if Steve McQueen was in this, this would have been awesome. And, you know, as it is now with Ryan O'Neill, it's very, it's, you know, it's still good, but I could... I could tell it would be just a perfect movie for it's, Steve it's McQueen. It's one of Ryan O'Neill's like best performances. Like this was at the end of the the big Ryan O'Neill like fad. Like he had Love Story, which was huge. He's very. <laughs> if there ever well, was I mean, a fad for it Ryan was the seventies. I mean, he got put in a lot of things. I, they they forced you know Stanley Kubrick to use him in Barry Lyndon, which he it's one of his best performances. He worked there, but a lot of things he just he just lacks a charisma that steve yeah. mcqueen would have brought to it but he's got it down like the just the, the hollowness and like this guy being what exactly he is and nothing else uh-huh. it, it works for this role to not be that not have a, a real emotional range i guess for this role it, yeah. it works pretty it well caters for this. to what ryan o'neill can do best like it's it's a good combination of script for ryan and ryan o'neill but yeah he's you know he wasn't the greatest i mean he was handsome and he had one of the biggest movies of the decade with you know love story at the beginning of the decade that got him and ali mcgraw stardom but you know he didn't work and it's just you know towards the, towards the end of it yeah but yeah steve mcqueen would have been wait this movie probably would be a, like they, they mentioned that you know part of this movie's non-success was that it didn't have any stars in it 
but I think, man, going in, yeah. I think yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, Ryan O'Neill and Bruce and, Dern um, and Bruce Dern. Yeah, that yeah. that's not well, really Ronnie gonna. Ronnie Blakely, Ronnie Blakely was Academy Award nominated actress, so she was a big name. And Isabella Johnny, this was her American film debut. She was big overseas, and this was supposed to be her big transition. But that doesn't, doesn't always, always work. work. Glasses after after teeth is you know told to beat it by the driver uh glasses tells the detective they're having a hard time getting the job done and detective says he'll save his ass so he just he knew what to do that's what he he did goes to the driver's room and taunts him by showing him the jimmy he found earlier in the movie and tells him this this is all a game and you know hints to him you know needing to take this job and uh the driver clearly um he, he, I don't know. He just doesn't seem to care. I mean, not about what he's saying, about about what the, the detective is saying. He just doesn't seem to care in general because he's laying in his bed with the door, the open, door yeah. wide open. <laughs> it's like you don't live in a dorm, dude. What are you doing? I always found it. You know, if you've ever lived in an apartment building, you walk by someone with their door open. It's like weird, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, are they gonna kill me? Why is their door Am open? Am I being lured into some trap or something? But yeah, it's it's always really <laughs> yes. weird. But he's a guy who doesn't. I mean, he's so confident in himself and doesn't give a crap. I guess that works. But yeah, basically, he's not interested in the job. But when it comes to this, is more about outsmarting and beating Bruce Dern. He's now interested because now. Now he realizes that he's playing a game, I guess. Yeah, the the detective's like, you know what? If you do this, it's, uh, you know, you'll have some money in your pocket. If not, I'll get you for 15 years. And it's just, yeah. And that's what gets him to take the job. But he, he goes back to glasses and tells him, you know, my price is doubled. And he says, teeth is not coming on the job. One more thing. You're not coming. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, what did he have against teeth to begin with i understand what he has against him after he pulls a gun on him but before that yeah, like it's uh, i mean i guess he just maybe there was a history that we just weren't allowed to see before that maybe, maybe that's just, what it is that's the best thing just i can a, figure like a judge of like character but just by looking at a guy or something or just i don't know i know how to drive a car and i can tell when someone's a dick and that guy's a or dick. Or maybe he's that kind of person that everything has to be so specific for his thing to work and for him to be comfortable at that if he gets like a little bad vibe from anything, it's off. Because earlier that's in the movie, he was like, you guys relate. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I, I I guess that's what it is. He just gets a bad vibe off of him. And rightfully so, because he pulled a gun on Teeth him later. Teeth is an asshole. Glass and relays uh, on the rooftop to uh, the detective and the other policeman. You know, it's on, but he better not have any cops there or there'll be a lot of shooting. And the detective pulls him to the edge and tells him, hey, all that matters here is the drop point. And then uh, I believe like right a- immediately after this scene, we go to the yeah, actual amidst uh, the robbery, robbery with, with with the alarm going like, oh, this is a mess because th- these guys. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, not, it's not even like they come in and then they start to rob them. Like we, we cut directly to the robbery in progress with the alarm not activating it's already active it's going off glasses during this ends up shooting their former driver during it yeah because he was pissed because he's the one that set off the alarm shoots out the glass glasses then runs out to to the driver in the car and he tells he tells him that the other guy went out the back he doesn't tell him to kill them yeah so like he'll catch up later yeah so then 
him and the driver get, go to the drop point, which it's not the one that uh, the detective and company are waiting at. It's a different one because Glasses didn't trust the cops and decided to give them a phony drop point and taking the driver to a different one, and he plans to shoot him, which the driver has a thing against guns, as we mentioned before, and you know, the Glasses decides to tell him how stupid he is because he doesn't believe in them. You know what always amazed me about you? A guy with your attitude never carries a gun. That's stupid. Very stupid. Bam! The driver shoots Glasses dead as he's carrying a gun himself. Yeah, just because he doesn't like guns doesn't mean he doesn't yeah. use them. <laughs> he never said yeah. that. Or that he's not going to take one on that job when these guys are morons. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, the driver takes the money and heads out in a red pickup truck, classic one. Teeth then shows up shortly after as this was going to be, yeah, he, yeah, they were planning on doing yeah. some horrible shit. Yeah, shows up on his uh, pink bike. <laughs> Yes. Not in ter- not terribly intimidating, but whatever. Yeah, you don't want to be called teeth and show up on a pink bike. That's not going to bode well for you. No. So he he finds Glass's body. A driver goes to a train station and puts money the money in a locker, and then gets a room at a seedy hotel. This is one of those I've yeah. I've never stayed at a hotel it, like this where you're basic. I it looks like a a how you've seen these places in movies but i've never seen one in real life yeah yeah he paid uh five dollars for the night and i thought like i know it's 1978 but that's crazy for a dollar extra you could get a tv in the room (laughs) yeah that's that's right but apparently he doesn't like to he doesn't care for tv you or he's a penny pincher i don't know (laughs) So, so he doesn't pay for the tv he's gonna save all the money he can. The, the cops find the real drop point, and the detective isn't pissed. He just thinks this is making the game more interesting. While the other two cops are mad, but Bruce Dern's just like, ha, a new twist. The connection comes to the hotel to meet up with the driver, and he wants to exchange his hot money, even though the exchange rate's pretty poor. It's four to one on $200,000, but mm-hmm. the connection then says the driver can't be there for the exchange. Cause he's just he's hotter than the money, you know. He says he'll get somebody. She goes to leave and says, you know, we better watch out for the two remaining gang members. And connection says, I told you, I'm not gonna get killed for you. The connection then returns home to Teeth at gunpoint, sitting in her place, and she at first refuses to tell him everything uh, he wants to know. But when she's thrown on her couch with a gun to her face, she spills all the beans. Yeah, where he is, where um, the money, money is, is yeah. where, where the the drop is going to happen, all of it, yeah. Yeah, she then repeats. I told him I wouldn't get killed for him. Sure. He throws a pillow on her face and shoots her. Yeah, but he puts it like... I mean, the idea is to dampen the sound. Yeah, his but... gun, is, like, he puts it on her face and still has his gun far away from Yeah, him. he's, like, two feet away. It's like, that's that's not going to do anything. It's just going to absorb the blood. That's all it's going to do. <laughs> well, that's why the driver doesn't want to work with uh, Teeth, because he's obviously not that bright. <laughs> this is true. The player then comes to to the driver 
and she says he should wait six months, leave that, leave the money in the locker. But he claims he's on a streak, and he wants it done tonight. Dumb. She, yeah, it's his. You know, he goes. She then points out that he's just in it for the game of the detective and not the money, which is what this is. Like he's this guy. He's a loner, and mm-hmm. you know all he has in life is these jobs. Yeah. You know he makes good money. He's probably made a lot of money. You know, he it he, we've seen his place of residence. We've seen how he is, and he, he doesn't lives, he, he doesn't live a lavish lifestyle. Yeah, he's got like one set of clothes, and he just you know he's in it for the thrill. It's what he's good at. It's what he loves doing, and that's just what he does. I, it, no money needs to be involved, but it it yeah. helps to raise stakes and make the thrill. And he loves the cat and mouse game with the detective, which is what I wonder. Did he throw that Jimmy in there to keep the trail going, to keep you know keep the detective on the case and keep defeating? Oh him? yeah, I could I could see that. So, I when I first saw it, I I thought he's just like oh, I'm done with this. I don't care, you know that he was just that I don't know brash or confident. Like it doesn't matter. I th- I thought that what 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 it was, but it might be you know just leaving breadcrumbs for the detective too. Then we go to the train station where the player and a bearded man are sitting the the exchange man are sitting at the station like diner and the cops are watching the whole thing she she lays a key on the table which he goes to the locker and exchanges a bag and then they go back and exchange keys again and he boards a train and the cops bruce dern company follow onto the train i wondered how did they how did they know that that was going to happen I'm wondering like, if teeth tipped them off. Uh, maybe. I don't Yeah, That's the only way I uh, that could happen, but we don't see that. You know, it's just yeah. like uh, one of the cops just walks in, gets on the phone, like, okay, they're here. I see uh, the guy, the drop man. I see him. That was just one of the, the few things with this movie that made me go, wait a minute, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But, I mean, I guess that's not a major complaint. It's just kind of a what? Oh, whatever, and you just keep moving. I, I, that's what I imagine because once once the the craziness is cleared, the cl- the cops have you know left to go to the train. He shows up and takes the player's uh, purse, which has the key to get back into the locker. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because Teeth is there. Yeah, I understand why Teeth is there. We know how yeah. he got the information, right. obviously. So I mean, it, it had to be him. It just would have been nice if there was a scene or a phone call, just something to let us know that he tipped them off instead of just like. And the cops are here. But they they go on the train. They find the bag of, a bag of money. It's in a it's an over in an overhead compartment. Apparently, this one passenger's suitcase is missing, which he had been to the restroom to check, and a guy slid a suitcase out, and it tips him off. And he goes back to the restroom and has a shootout with the exchange man, and fires his gun, and he falls out the window of the train. Yeah, I wondered like the exchange man. Like that seems like it was a bad idea. Like, you're kind of tipping your hand that you were involved with it. Because it's not like they don't have any direct evidence because they didn't actually see you with, you know, the bag of money. Anyone could have put that there. It just seems like it was a bad idea to pull a gun on him and, you know, and and run. Because otherwise it's just speculation to that point. There's no evidence unless maybe they dust for prints on it, which I don't know if they would do for something like this. True. True. It's all pretty smooth <laughs> and also uh the detective better be pretty damn sure that this guy was was involved with the crime i mean he does get shot at 
but still, the detective shoots the guy dead through a window and out right. the train. Right. But I mean, he was he was shot at and. Yeah, yeah. And also, I guess it's pretty well established that the detective doesn't really care about the rules. He just right. has one goal. And he doesn't care what he has to do to get to it. While this is happening, the player gets to the truck with the driver and tells him that Teeth showed up and took the purse. So he spots the Trans Am, which Teeth getting into. And we get another long, spectacular car chase through tunnels and all sorts of different environments. They weave in and out of traffic a lot, and I thought that was pretty. I thought that was awesome. Oh yeah, I like the the tunnel scene where Teeth is like hanging out the window, shooting at him, and, and yeah, I, yeah. I like the pickup truck. Like you don't see a chase where like one of the main vehicles is like a. And this is a classic uh, pickup truck, but I, yeah. I like the use of that vehicle in the chase, showing it you know has power, speed, and everything, which you you don't see a pickup truck as a main vehicle in a chase. Well, yeah, it's a pickup truck chasing, like, a muscle car. Yeah. And that also kind of shows how good of a driver the driver is, that he's able to keep up with this muscle car with not that much effort. Yeah, he does some, like, sweet moves and stuff. Like, I really, yeah, I really like the slick driving. Like, he's got, you know, race car driver kind of skills adding mm-hmm. it to normal vehicles, and it, it looks so smooth when he's doing it. It's, like, really cool. But he chases teeth to a warehouse type thing, and it's kind of a hide-and-go-seek portion, and mm-hmm. ends up running him off, and the car gets in this heinous wreck. Yeah, and keep in mind, during this entire chase scene, the player is with the driver the entire time. Oh, yeah. And she's just sitting in the passenger seat. And she is as calm as the driver is. And, uh, you know, like, you know, in any other movie like this, you know, the woman would probably be like freaking out, like, what are you doing? But here she is just cool and collected. She's just, I don't know if she just has that much faith in him or if she just doesn't give a crap. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Or maybe she's just not acting. I don't know. <laughs> but the point is, it's just kind of. Like once you you think about it, yeah. like she's just as as calm and collected as he is. It's like maybe his equal in some respects, at least in that respect, I guess. And I think that was kind of cool. Yeah, there's no indie type. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's not like it's not like you know, with uh, with with female roles. It's something like that, or like like she's a hard bitch. And it's like, it's neither of those. Yeah. She's just a person. Yeah, there's no... And it's just like, very nice. She's wearing a hat, and she doesn't even, like, grab for the hat, like, oh, my gosh, this yeah, is she's so just, intense. She's just, like, sitting there with, like, her hands in her lap the entire chase. Yeah. You know, Teeth gets out of the car, he's hurt, and, you know, the driver finally gets what he wants and shoots him. Yeah, because Teeth, like, tries to pull a gun on him first and just immediately blows Teeth away. And his accomplice is a guy, you know, we'd never seen before in this movie. And he's like, dude, I just drive. He's like, go home. And he's like, all I do is drive. And he's like, all right. Yeah, I did, I did like how he said, go, uh, go home. Yeah, because that's, I mean, honestly, his role, too. All he does is drive. He has no yeah. he has no emotional investment in any sort of, like, theft or revenge thing. He's just the getaway man. He's neutral. So he's, you know, kind of camaraderie thing there. I don't know. Yeah, or maybe he just, like, sees some. Or he's just like, I don't want to kill people. Yeah, or maybe he sees his younger self, you know? Like, yeah. the guy is obviously, like, he's a driver, but he's not as good as the driver himself. And I don't know if he's just starting out, because the guy is definitely younger. So maybe, you know, maybe he saw himself and that kid, or who the hell knows. 
Who, who knows what the mi- motivations are for this fictional character in this fictional <laughs> universe? <laughs> True. The driver then goes back to an empty station lobby and he gets the the bag back out of the locker, opens it, and then he turns and he's surrounded by the detective and the cops. Yeah, not not just a, a few cops, like a like a really long line of police officers. Yeah. And I, I thought like, are they all wearing sneakers? Because you would hear that yeah. many people because because when he goes up to the locker, he looks around like, all right, no one's here. Then he opens it up, pulls the bag out, turns around, and then there's like a third of the police force like directly behind him. Right. It's something you have to give it to them. It's done for effect. But yeah, no, I, it, I hear it, you. It it's... is done for effect. But yeah, like realistically, like you're like, man, there's a lot of foot traffic all of a sudden. Like, oh, balls. It's the police. <laughs> yeah. It's like the entire Santa Monica police force is... <laughs> yeah hanging out there and i love uh, you know and the players there you know in the background watching and you know i love bruce stern's look he's like gotcha you know he's like so oh yeah yeah so then he the driver comes over and hands him the bag and it's empty it's like looks like we both got ripped off by the exchange man and the uh, driver says something like yeah there's a lot of criminals around here he says something he's like got that. a lot of crooks around these days yeah, and he and he walks away, and the detective asks if he wants to keep the bag, and he just turns and leaves. And the detective, the way I like is the detective goes to hand the bag to the other cops, and they don't even want to touch it. <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Why would I keep yeah. the bag?" Like that that bag is your failure, man. Like <laughs> not ours. And you know he ends up he he walks out, and on his way he just drops the bag, and we get credits. Yeah, that's like, the last thing in the movie. He's like, oh, "I don't want the bag. It's yeah. over." Like, yeah, like, yeah, well, I mean, he's gonna have to face a lot of stuff because those two cops are gonna be like, okay, this asshole went and allowed these criminals that we caught, these known mm-hmm. felons, to rob a bank, and now we have two hundred thousand yeah. dollars missing. Like, endangered the lives of who knows how many people at that bank, and still couldn't catch the guy. Yeah, exactly. All of them were murdered. Every one of them are dead now because he just didn't put them into prison. They could have had undercover, you know, officers act as, you know, robbers or, or something. But instead, he took actual unsavory people that probably, you know, a- after they got the money, what incentive was there to come back? Other, you know, if he's like that good of a driver, then they're going to get away with it. Yeah. I mean, it, he obviously is. It's the point where, you know, Bruce Dern, you know, he realizes oh crap i'm the like he thought he was winning in this game when he was always the loser and i think he finally you know he finally got that realization that the game is over you lost but the driver i mean he doesn't walk away with the money either yeah he walks away with (laughs) with not going to prison that's what he walks away with but it was never about the money for him so it's not like it was that big of a deal i guess yeah because like through Throughout the movie, it does kind of feel like he just wants to do, like, like I just want to do, like, one last job, or I just want to, you know, just get my money and then just be done with this. There's that, that He never says that, but I really got that feeling throughout the movie. Yeah, you do get the feeling he wants to be done. But his last thing is, def- the, I think the last thing left to do isn't, like, running off with money. It's beating 
the detective. Yeah, it's going out on top. It's it's a it's a, ch- it's a cherry on the Sunday. Yeah, once this guy is off the case, which he will be after this. Oh, clearly, yes, he will. Nobody's after him anymore. The other guys won't care. But yeah, so that's that's how the movie goes. Yeah, as, as mentioned before, it you know didn't didn't do very well at the box office and was open to critical disdain and you know Isabella Johnny credits her American career not taking off because of this movie says it was a big mistake and she she could go back in time she wouldn't have taken this movie that that seems to be another running theme with uh, our movies that it's someone's big American debut and then nothing happens yeah I, I mean gosh I mean she would she would just a couple like I think like three or four years later she'd start in this like uh, um Australian horror movie called Possession and give like one of the best performances ever in a horror movie, which is cool. I don't think her career's off or not, but you know, her big Hollywood one. I mean, yeah, just not in the States, like, you know, overseas. Um, that's totally fine. You know, not everyone works in every country for, you know, that's nothing wrong with that. She, with this one, she was coming off some notoriety and being in a, uh, Roman Polanski movie that, uh, I think it was like a story of Adele H or something like that that was that got her some good revere. But I mean, you come to Hollywood, this wasn't a bad. Like I don't understand how she regrets it. It was a good idea. It was a Walter Hill film. He was up and coming. Is his second film. She said she liked his first film, but I think she missed out on a big movie because she took this one. Mm, like she turned yeah. down a bigger movie. But you know who knows? You know, maybe she still wouldn't have gotten her, you know, comeuppance from that. But I think she needs to watch the movie again. (laughs) (laughs) This movie. But yeah, so that, that is The Driver. Now it's time for us to rate the movie. As we are called Cinema Cavalcade each week, Cullen and I will use our rating scale system to give a final verdict on the film. Our options are stay with her family. You are shifting into park and, you know, Staying, staying put, maybe even reversing and getting away from the film. Converted, which means you're going to, you know, shift some gears, take a little drive with this movie. And drinking the Kool-Aid, which means you're going high octane, putting nitrous tanks in this, and zooming to your love of the film. So, Cullen, how do you rate The Driver? I am converted on this. I think it, uh, it's very good. I would recommend it to people. I don't know if I need uh, to see it again, uh, or at least not anytime soon. It, it, it was good. It was different. I wasn't 100% sure what I was getting into uh, when I watched it. When, when the, uh, the title card came up, I thought, for whatever reason, like the font, it looked like a TV movie from the 70s. And I thought that's what I was watching for a little bit. But then, you know, things escalated. It was like, okay, no, there's too much going on in this movie for just to be a TV movie. It's just because it was made in '78. I think that's maybe why it there, had there feel is a to me. there is a hint of like TV movie feel. Uh, no, I agree with you on that. There's like a there's like a little bit of feel. Maybe it's like some of the like settings or some mm-hmm. of the, some of the the film aesthetic to it. But yeah, there there's a little bit of a yeah. It's it's probably because it's just an inexpensive movie. That's probably part of it. But yeah, absolutely converted on this one. Brandon, what do you what do you think? How did you rate this? I would rate I would rate this movie somewhere between converted and Kool Aid, mainly because I I think I don't want to get overblown with I think this movie is way better than it was received back in 1978, but I really like it a lot. Uh, I think it's 
it's very easy surface level stuff. It's very tight. It's very streamlined. There's, you know, you know, kind of is what it is, but there's, there's some depth to some of the psyche with some of these characters that leads it to be a little bit more, but I like it's, it's very much like its main character here. It's, it's a tight movie, no bullshit, no extra stuff. How awesome is it that we can have two good looking people on screen and they not have to have a love story? That's exactly what I was thinking, man. Like there was one part in this movie where they were both I think they were at that that the five dollar hotel. I think that was the scene where the movie swelled up a little bit and it started to f- like sound kind of romantic. And I thought, come on, this is not that movie. Don't do that. But they they thankfully like it cut away before anything happened. I was like, oh, thank God. Like we just we don't need a love story. This it's there's already there's one story in this movie. We don't need subplots. Just make it this one thing and that's it. Yeah, and it doesn't fit the driver character to go for something like that. Like he's not that's not the guy he is. And it would totally change the movie if that would happen. And it looks like there's a couple of scenes, like every time it's just them two together before the fi- the finale. Like, it feels like, is this where this is going? But no, they just work together. Yeah, it's just, oh, God, that's nice. It's yeah. so nice. He may, have taken, he may have taken a liking to her, but it's in a business sense. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like maybe he respects her or something. Isn't that nice, a man respecting a woman? Isn't that nice? <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, that's what, yeah it's, it's so interesting to see here. I think people were, the, the trailer misleads you to think that there's some sort of love story that could happen between them. And I think he filmed the scene uh, with them kissing and threw it in the trailer. But like, there was a lot of stuff he was forced to do in this movie that didn't make it to the final cut, but the studio wanted, like, there. I think there was a kiss filmed. And then there's an opening sequence that he filmed, but didn't put in there that the studio made him to, because they, they felt like people were too dumb to catch on. And there's an opening sequence that features it's before we get to the strange parking garage elevator but it has the player going to the connections apartment you know getting her instructions for what's going to happen mm. and and totally spelling out everything yeah. and who's involved in her job and then we go to Bruce Dern who goes it's daytime and he goes to the police van and is introduced to the new cop and stuff and talks about the you know his white whale and all this stuff and what's gonna happen and it's just like too much i like i'm glad it's not there i'm glad walter hill made his cut because the opening scene i like that isabella johnny's player you don't know at the beginning you don't know if like she's part of this or if she's like wow that guy's kind of cute and intrigue dark and intriguing maybe she's just doing you know letting him free to like take an interest in him Mm -hmm. but then you find she's involved like, you just don't know about her for, like, the first act. Yeah. And I like that. I think if uh, Steve McQueen were in this movie, she'd be on him. Oh, yeah. And uh, it would make more sense because it's Steve McQueen. Yeah. Steve McQueen would have, yeah, he would have wanted that, too. But apparently yeah. he didn't want to do another car movie. When, when you've done Bullet. Bullet, I mean... yeah, and Le, Mans, <laughs> and Le Mans, yeah, you have yeah. The Getaway, which he didn't drive a car in The Getaway, but, yeah, he's... Yeah, that's what he's known for. But this would have been like his last great one, too. Though That's plus of the movie. I love the car chases in the movie. I mean, this b- movie's built around like a couple action scenes. And the cat and mouse between Bruce Dern 
and Ryan O'Neill's terrific. Bruce Dern's great. He's the probably the best performance in the movie. This is Ronnie Blakely before she was like known crazy. <laughs> before it was confirmed. Yeah. Uh, you know, the one thing with the movie, aside from Bruce Dern, it is a little bit monotone, but I think it works to the cool factor of the movie and its style. But yeah, this yeah it got, if there's a lively person in this movie, it would be really, it'd feel forced or odd. And actually, I think Bruce Dern might be the most animated person in this movie, yeah. honestly. Yeah, this movie you couldn't make today because people would be asking too many unnecessary questions and they'd you know have to make it two hours long and this this is cut yeah. and dry this is no fat on it it moves it gets there it's intriguing enough uh, around the action scenes and it's suspenseful like yeah it's it's a great car chase movie is it the best one ever no is it like is, are you is your mind gonna be blown when you watch this movie no so that's why i'm gonna go between converted and Kool-Aid, because I really like this movie a lot. I like it more every time I see it. For me, it's more of my, you know, more like, you know, one of those old movies uh, you discover on later on and, and get real big on later on. Like, yeah, I I like it quite a bit, and I think people should check it out. Maybe it's forgotten. Maybe people don't know of it anymore. But if you like Ryan Gosling, the Ryan Gosling Drive, I highly recommend you check this movie out. This You'll definitely enjoy it. Yeah, after watching this movie, it makes me want to watch Drive. Yeah, Drive's really fun. Drive has uh, one of the best opening sequences I've ever seen in a movie. I don't think the rest of it lives up to that opening promise, but it's still a pretty good movie. Yeah, so yeah, if you like this, you'll yeah, Drive's the way to go. On the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade... It's time for us to headbang with the undead with Hard Rock Zombies. TV show The Walking Dead comes back the night before our next episode drops, so hey, we thought we did back into one of the zombie genre's past entries. I can't wait. I cannot wait to do this movie. It is one of the most insane movies I've ever seen, and it's beautiful. I love it. With a killer soundtrack as well. Our episode has come to an end. Thank you for sticking with us. Yeah. We look forward to next time, but first stay tuned for the trailer for Hard Rock Zombies, the trailer that actually trails. Are you sick of borrowing video movies that are exactly like other tapes you've seen before? You know, that are so predictable you've guessed the ending in the first couple of minutes? Well, cop this. This film is so weird, off the planet, incredibly ridiculous, unbelievably far-fetched, depraved and lacking in taste, that I can relate to it. I mean, check this geek eating himself for dinner, or this bloke with his three-handed handshake. Now that's what I call good viewing. So next time you're after something worth watching, pop down to your local video store and grab a copy of Hard Rock Zombies. After all, it's just a bit of all-round good, clean fun. Thank you for listening to Cult Cinema Cavalcade. You can find more of Cullen's work on the A Touch of Crafts podcast, also found on the Creative Zombie Studios Network, and on Twitter at my name is Cullen. You can find more of my work at whysoblue.com. My Twitter handle is at BTPeters. Our producer is Brad Shoemaker. Podcast edited by Brandon. Theme song Pink Baby by Happy Elf, found on the freemusicarchive.org website. The movie in today's discussion is property of its respective studio, and no infringement is intended. 
Please join us again in two weeks for our next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. Go home.